the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for New Hope Radio on AM 1100 KFAX. This program is the radio ministry of New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, a place of healing and restoration. Now here's today's message of hope. Come on, how many are really desperate for Jesus? Come on, you don't, you don't have to be in a bad place to be desperate for Jesus, right? I mean, in, in fact, if anything, I think sometimes he teaches us in those places that, hey, I want you to stay desperate for me like you are right now, all times of your life. I want you to be desperate for me, no matter how I elevate you, no matter what I do in your life. We got to stay desperate for him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's just get right into the word this morning. Before we turn, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, but let's just go ahead and hold up our Bibles this morning and let's just repeat this. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hallelujah. Lord God, I just pray you would just Lord, just anoint this time, anoint this word, anoint this message. God, would you just open up our eyes, our spiritual ears, Lord, would you soften our hearts? Would you just prepare us like I know that you already have, God? Lord, we are desperate for you, Jesus. We're desperate for you today. Lord, we don't want to leave here the same way that we came. Lord, some of us just came here and we barely made it this morning. God, but you know, you know what's going on. God, you're already in our tomorrow. So we love you. We praise you. Holy Spirit, rest in this place right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Let nothing that comes forth from my mouth be randy. Let it be you, Jesus. Let it be you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We trust you. And we're ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's turn to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 24. I'm reading out of the NLT translation. They should have it um, on the screen here as we're reading through this. We're going to read from verse 21, excuse me, verse 21 through verse 34. Mark chapter 5. Verse 21, it says this, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. And let's just stop there just for a moment. So as, as, as I read this 
story again about a week or two ago, and I read through this, something just grabbed me, and I just kept reading it, and I've probably read through this story maybe 75 times or 100 times over the past few weeks because there was just things that the Lord was showing me in it, and I still haven't, I believe, received the full revelation of what the Lord is trying to say here because as we just read, there's the beginning story of a miracle that's about to take place in this little daughter of this man named Jairus. He falls before Jesus and he's a leader in the synagogue. He's a man of stature and he falls before him because he's desperate for Jesus because his little daughter that's 12 years old is dying. She's on her deathbed. He doesn't know what else to do but to turn to Jesus. And the story begins, but then all of a sudden the story shifts to another story. And I'm going to call it the the miracle in the middle. There's two stories that are really wedged together. And the, the first story of Jairus and his little daughter begins. And then this other story happens in the middle of the healing. There's a, another miracle that takes place. And, and we're about to read this story. And this is the story that we're going to focus on today. And as I read this, these two stories that are really, I believe, one big story, I said, Lord, how, how do we unpack this? And, and, and what he showed me is today, Randy, I, I want you to focus on the woman that we're about to read about. Maybe next time we'll, we'll circle back to the, the little girl and Jairus because there's so much here. So if anything, maybe I'm setting this up right now for, for next time that I share. But let's read on here in verse 25. And this is the story I really want us to focus on this morning. So, so remember, there's a crowd that's just gathered around Jesus. They're on their way now to Jairus's house that they're going to, they think they're going to see Jesus heal this little daughter. And then in verse 25, it says this, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Verse 30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing all around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Last verse. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
So let's unpack this. There's this woman that has been dealing with this issue. In the King James, the Bible doesn't tell us her name. The King James just simply calls her the woman with the issue of blood. I think we need to understand here what this woman had really been dealing with. And some of you know this story, and some of you have heard this story preached many times, but I want you to just stay with me today because I believe there's some things in here that we're going to unpack that are going to speak to all of us today. But this woman had been dealing with this issue for 12 years, this bleeding issue that had made her in those times in the Levitical law, she would be considered ceremonially unclean. Anybody she came in contact with was then unclean themselves. Anything she touched was unclean. And if anybody even touched something that she touched, they would be unclean. Are you getting the idea of what this woman had dealt with for 12 years? It's more than just her condition that she had dwelt with. In fact, let me, I'm just going to turn to Leviticus really quick. You don't have to turn there with me, but let me just read this Levitical law that this woman had had to come under. In Leviticus 15, verse 25, it says this. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. Any bed she lies on and any object she sits on during that time will be unclean just as during her menstrual period. If any of you touch these things, you will be ceremonially unclean. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. This woman had been dealing with this issue of bleeding for 12 years because of this issue that she had she would have been completely ostracized and cast away from society it said that if she had a husband her husband would have had to divorce her because she he wouldn't even been able to be in her presence or come in contact if she had kids she wouldn't have been able to have any type of contact with her kids and they don't have phones back then she would have lost everything she had And just be cast away to the side, to be alone, to be by herself, to be labeled unclean, unclean. The issue became her identity. The issue was her identity. She had to learn how to live with the label unclean, unclean. Some of us that are here today maybe can relate to that a little bit, where you feel like, you know, you've gone through some things in your life and some things have happened to you. And this wasn't this woman's fault. She didn't do anything. The Bible doesn't say she did anything. She had just been dealing with this issue that all of a sudden started happening in her. Maybe because of of, of circumstances or things in your life, you have some issues, and, and, and for whatever reason, because maybe you just don't know any better, you haven't received your healing yet, which I believe today is the day that God wants to heal you and restore you and, and, and really speak to your true identity. But up to this point, your issue has become your identity. 
And, and here's the thing, and, and I don't want to talk bad about, this is not talking bad about these organizations, but one, one problem that, not problem, but one issue that I have with AA and NA is this, and I believe this, that AA and NA has done many great things for many, many people. And some of you in this room today have gone through their programs and are a testament to that. But the one, the one thing I wish we could change about that is this, is, is that you're strongly encouraged, if not forced to identify with your issue. You have to identify as your issue. Hello, I'm Randy, and I'm an alcoholic. This is not, I'm not talking bad, because I, I, like I said, these, these organizations have done many good, and some of you are part of them, and I'm not, this is, not, this is just my issue with what I believe biblically is, is not accurate. I'm Randy, I'm an alcoholic. I'm Randy, I'm a drug addict. I'm Randy, I'm a sex addict. No, I'm not. God has set me free from those things. And I believe this, that, that we no longer have to identify with the issue. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I believe this, that, that the first step of, of coming to a place of healing, coming to a place of freedom is realizing that you have an issue, right? I mean, we have to realize that. And, and you may be living as an alcoholic. You may be dealing with that. But I'm going to tell you what, that's not who you are. The Bible says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Right? Second Corinthians, come on, let's let's look at the Bible here. Second Corinthians 5:17 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has begun. Behold, all things have become new. I've said this before. God is. We sing songs about this, God of the second chance. And that, that's great, and he does give us, but I believe it's deeper than that. God is a God of new beginnings. He doesn't want to just give you a second chance. He wants to give you a whole brand new beginning. And today I believe that he wants to speak into your true identity of who you really are. And he doesn't want us to just identify as our issue any longer. He doesn't want us to keep on living with the label of who we've been or what we've gone through. See, for so many of us, and myself included for a long period of time, I've learned how to just function in my dysfunction. Right? Aren't we good at that? Aren't we good at at learning how to, because we don't, we, we have to. And there's so much dysfunction around some of us, and we've been, we've been brought up in homes that have been dysfunctional, and we've learned how to just, just dysfunction in our function so much so that our, defunct, our dysfunction has just become our reality, and that reality has become our normality. Did you catch that? Our dysfunction, because it's our reality, we think that that is normal. But God is saying, that's not normal. Amen. Let me share with you a story really quick. Of When I was very young, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. And my parents divorced at a very young age. And my mom, she's gone now. God bless her. But she had many hurts. 
She had many habits, many hangups. And there was a lot of chaos in my childhood. A lot of chaos, a lot of fighting. I knew the, the, the cops knew me by name when they came to my house. And I remember this one time in particular, and my memory at that stage of my life is very bad because I believe there were some defense mechanisms that kind of came up that I don't remember a whole lot. I remember that it was bad and crazy, but this one thing I remember, and I want to share this with you because I remember it so vividly, and I don't know how old I was, but I probably was like four, maybe five. And I remember the chaos happening in our house and the dysfunction and just the the craziness. And I remember being in my living room and being balled up in the corner of my living room as a little four-year-old. And I remember that, that in this time, we didn't, at the time, my dad got saved later on in life, thank God, broke the generational curse over our family. I believe God's going to do that in you today. But, but at this period, there, there was no God in the picture that, that we knew of that we were brought up in. But I remember being balled up in the corner, just shaking with all the chaos and everything that was happening in, in the room and throughout the house. And, and, and I remember as I was just balled up in the corner as this little boy, this little child, I just remembered this presence that was just comforting me. I know that now that it was God. It was the Holy Spirit that was there with me at that very young age. And I remember this as I felt this discomfort and just this security. I remember hearing a voice in my head. And this is crazy. This is almost 40 years ago now. And I can remember it like, like it was yesterday. And this voice began to tell me, Randy, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And then this voice said this to me, and this was the Holy Spirit. This was God there with me in that moment. He said this, and I'll never forget it. And this changed my whole life, I believe. He said this, this is not normal. This is not normal. What you're seeing, all the situations that you're being put into and and these things that are happening to you and this, this, this dysfunction that's around you, I want you to know, Randy, this is not normal. And I grew up with that, with that knowledge as a four-year-old and and on in my life, knowing that this is dysfunction, and and Lord, this is not normal, and and, and I don't want to repeat this in my life. And now, I'm not saying, there's still things, there's still things in me that I realize that come out from time to time that I still have to unpack, and I think we all have that, right, from our childhood and from our upbringing, but but praise God that, that I never functioned so well in my dysfunction that that chaos became what was normal to me. That was me. But, but for some of us, I believe that we've got caught in that lie, in that facade that because of what you've been, been, been going through or because of the hand that you've been dealt or because of what you've experienced, that that dysfunction in your life has just become normal to you. And it's just so easy to repeat it until God opens your eyes. And I, I believe that he's going to do that today. So let's get back to the story because I don't want to spend too long there anymore. We got to get through this because there's some good stuff coming. There really is. I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> so the story says that this woman had been suffering 
she'd been suffering for 12 years. Okay. And here's the thing. You got to catch this. This woman had not only been suffering from her condition. She'd not only been suffering physically, but, but it says right here in the text that she had suffered from many doctors. See, see what this picture that's being painted here is that she was searching. She was searching. She was, she was searching. And in her searching, she was suffering because Mark makes it very clear that these doctors had taken advantage of her. Said so she, she spent everything and she had nothing left and she, the little hope that she had, she would go and then maybe she, you know, the doctor would give her something, but then all of a sudden she, she realized that it didn't work. She didn't get any better. The doctor took advantage of her. So she searched more and then she was searching. She was searching. She was taking advantage of and notice this. The Bible doesn't say that she didn't ever feel any better. It says she never got any better. How many times have have we, and and, and I know most of us can raise our hands to this and testify to this because there's been parts and periods of our life, even some of us today, that, man, we turn to so many different doctors to try to feel better. To try to feel better. The doctor of... Alcohol, drugs, sex, gluttony, all these things. And here's the thing. Those things have a, a, a momentary pleasure attached to them, right? If, if they didn't, none of us would even desire any of those things. But Satan has made it that it's just a lie. It's just a facade. He wraps up sin in this pretty package, in this package with this pretty bow on it. And we just are so excited. And we have hope that, man, this package is going to hold what I need to really just have some purpose and to feel better for a long time to get better. And then we open it up and it's just death and decay. And now we're stuck searching more and again and again. And it says this, that, she had gotten to the place where she spent everything she had. She spent everything she had. She was searching. She was searching. She would muster up a little bit more hope, and then she would go somewhere else, and ah, oh, she was just taken advantage of. And she got to the place before she finally meets Jesus that it says she spent everything she had. Now, to me, this this. This paints a picture that she was at rock bottom. She had no hope left. All hope was gone. So she thought. She spent everything. She was at rock bottom. And, 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 and I believe that there's somebody listening to this message today that that speaks to you, that you feel like you're at rock bottom. You've tried a lot of different things. And you feel like, man, nothing is going right. And I don't have anything else. I'm at rock bottom. But here's the thing. Sometimes God will allow you to get to that place because he loves you. He will allow you to get to rock bottom to find the rock at the bottom. There is a rock at the bottom that you can stand on. There's a song that says, Christ is the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. 
God wants you to stand upon the rock of Jesus. And as you stand upon the rock and as you plant your feet in Jesus, then you say, I have nowhere else to go, Jesus. I'm desperate for you. I'm at rock bottom, but I believe I've found the rock. And you're here today. You're listening today. And you're in the right place because Jesus is here. The rock is here for you. And as you stand on the rock, he will lift you up out of the pit of despair. He'll place your feet, like the Bible says, on solid ground. Come on, he'll pick you up. He'll turn you completely around. I could testify to this, man. God has turned my life around. And today, today we can walk in confidence and in boldness. And it's a journey. It's a journey, but it's a great journey. And it's a journey full of hope. It's a journey where you're not searching and searching and searching. That's tiring. I know that some of you in here today can testify to that. And it's tiring searching for the next form of happiness when you know that happiness is so fleeting. It's so fickle. So she was searching. She had spent everything. But she's about to find the rock at her bottom. And it says this in verse 27. That she had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him. Through the crowd like a thief. She came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Other, other translation says that she just, she touched the hem of his garment. The very bottom part. The dirty part. The part that had just been dragging in the dirt. See, you got to see this because she had so much shame. She thought, she thought to herself, if I could just touch the dirty part, because I can identify with that part. This has been New Hope Radio, a ministry of New Hope Christian Fellowship. You're invited to worship with them at 22110 Montgomery Street in Hayward. Services are held Sundays at 10 a.m. For other service times and more information, see New Hope Christian Fellowship online at nhcfonline.org. That's nhcfonline.org. Join us next week at this time for New Hope Radio here on AM 1100 KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs>